living our way. Whatever that you could do in this place is going to be better than what we can do. Lord, we turn over the reins of this thing, God, and we want you to move and have your way. Amen. Take us in the direction you want us to go. We'll set our sails into the wind of the Holy Ghost today and move with you, God. We'll find that current, and I know you'll lead us where you want us to go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we did this last week, and, and I just thought it was good, so why don't we do it again? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this thing off to you, and you can repeat it and, and feel the Holy Ghost in it, okay? Can you do that? Everybody say, Lord. Lord. I need revival. I need revival. Revive me. Change me. Change me. Strengthen me. Strengthen me. Refill me. me. Make me mighty. Make me mighty. In, you. In you. I want to go, go deeper. Let revival start in me. Give God a hand. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you want revival, you can be seated. Praise God. If you don't, you just stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 36. 2 Chronicles chapter 36. As we continue studying kings of the Bible. Some of them righteous some of them not so righteous, and how the Lord responded. Today, our title is The Righteous Judge. The Righteous Judge. A lot of people like to talk about the grace of God, and we love and enjoy that. A lot of people like to talk about the love of God means more to me than all this world could ever be. And, and we love talking about that but not every church and not every Christian enjoys talking about the fact that he's also a righteous judge. Amen. He is. And he's as good at being a judge as he is being a lover. He's as good at being a judge as he is a grace giver. He's good at that job too. And so we're going to talk about that today. Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 11. Zedekiah, everybody say Zedekiah. Did you get that right the first time? Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear an oath by God, but he stiffened his neck. Everybody say he stiffened his neck. And he hardened his heart. Everybody say he hardened his heart. Against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the leaders of the priests and the people transgressed more and more according to all the abominations of the nations and defiled the house of the Lord, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion 
on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. My, my. And so, just reading the text, it doesn't really take you long to figure out the direction this king went. And uh, the Lord judged righteously what happened in the kingdom and what this king did. Yeah, that key verse right there, he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. Are you going to help me teach this morning? Yes. Amen. I know that we may have several folks out today, but let's, let's just decide. Let's make an executive decision, well, a corporate decision together. We're going to have good church this morning. Yes. Amen. Amen. Help me teach today. Um, there were, on this particular day, doctors and nurses that were scurrying around the emergency room as a young mother attempted to calm her toddler. The child was crying uncontrollably as nurses carefully removed the first aid bandage from her charred and blistered hand. And the damage was so severe that amputation was going to have to be considered. At best, there would be permanent nerve damage that would be a reminder of the incident for as long as she lived. And as the staff wheeled the frightened child off to the operating room, the responding officer began asking the mother for additional information that had just got here. The mother said her daughter had been electrocuted when she inserted a metal rod into the electrical junction box on the side of the warehouse where her husband worked. And the mother and daughter were waiting for the father to get off when the toddler found the piece of metal and began trying to pry the electrical cover open. Do you mean that you just watched your daughter playing around the high voltage box? Asked the officer. Yes, answered the mother defensively. I had warned her twice, but she was being stubborn. I don't believe in nagging or spanking, so all I did was watch. What a little bit of discipline might have done. Maybe two seconds of a direct command from a mother might have saved a hand from amputation. But I don't believe in nagging or spanking, so all I did was watch. I'm thankful that no matter the mistakes that I make, no matter the things that go against the nature of God that I've done in my life, he decides to discipline me. Amen. Amen. If he never did that, there surely is a fateful end for me. 
for all of us. But I thank the Lord that he's a God that administered discipline in my life. And when I do wrong, I feel the conviction that God has designed to come on me to respond. Yes, amen. Amen. And we, it's not comfortable in the moment when it happens, but thank the Lord for his discipline. Amen. Thank the Lord for it. We, we tend to criticize the rebellious attitude or actions of others while we you know, brush off our own sin as a mistake or a moment of weakness, but our sinful nature leads us on a path of sin. And we, we naturally in this life start out so the Bible says we're born into sin, shaping into iniquity. We start out on a path of sin in life. And the desire to do things our own way. And the belief that we know best what is right for us is a result of sin. That's the reason that somebody decided we should eat the fruit of that tree. I think it'll be better for us. And so there was a rebelliousness that took place that ushered sin into our world. And it's really not any different. You know, we like to look at Adam and Eve as, man, if it, you know, if it wasn't for Adam and Eve, if just, you know, if, if the Lord had uh, made somebody else, but Adam and Eve that ushered in sin into this world, but in reality, there wasn't a tree or fruit for us, but still yet we sin. We're all living in a sinful world, every one of us. And so we have to deal with the sin problem and rebelliousness that arises in us naturally, realizing the fact that we tend, we, we, we go toward that nature, realizing that is the most important step you can take in identifying that nature that's in us. We, we've got that. We've got that. And sometimes we, we have to look at what we're doing and saying, no. I'm trying to go against the nature of God. I want to do this. It feels like it's natural for me to do this, but it goes against the nature of God. And in that, like we talked about last week, that is how we observe holiness in our life. We see that we tend toward something that's rebellious, but then we experience the wonderful, magnificent nature of God and that it contradicts that and we make a decision which way we're going to go. Amen. Can I have an amen this morning? Amen. And you got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. And God calls out our sin in life. Whether it's a feeling, whether you hear it preached, whether you read it in the word, somehow he calls out our sin, not to shame us or punish us, but to bring us to repentance. That's the goal of God. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. That's what God wants. And so when he judges, though it's not always the most pleasant thing, or though he disciplines, it's not always pleasant, there is an end that he's shooting for, and that's redemption. Amen. God don't want to just hurt you. God just don't want to disappoint you. Or, or uh, make a bad wave come in your life. He's shooting for redemption. He wants you to get to a certain place. That you got to look beyond that discipline. Amen. 
So 2 Chronicles chapter 36 contains the account of a fall of a nation. It's very heartbreaking. And it's a warning to humanity that's in Scripture that there was a king who disregarded God all the way into oblivion and led that nation into it. He disregarded the Lord. And that king was 20-year-old Zedekiah. While his age and inexperience may have contributed to everything that happened in some way, the Bible gives us the core reasons for this king's failure. That's what we're talking about this morning. He would not stand by. God would not stand by as his people disobeyed. He had to do something about it. And so we see his nature as a righteous judge. Second Chronicles 36 and verse 12 tells us pointedly that Zedekiah did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God and humbled not himself. One translation says he was a stubborn man. And all the wives said, Amen. <laughs> well, nobody said, Amen. So I guess we got some fine men in this house, you know. He was a stubborn man. Hallelujah. The hardening of a heart took place. That's a frightening thing. Yes. The hardening of a heart. God hardened the heart of Pharaoh purposefully to bring his people out of Egypt and to cast down every so-called God that that kingdom had. God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. But we don't uh, need the help of anything or anybody to harden our hearts sometimes. And it's much like the deadening of nerve endings. Somebody said a seared conscience. People who begin down that path actually convince themselves to believe their own lies. And it does almost irreparable damage sometimes. I, you know, I, I worked as a sprayer, a paint sprayer for a significant period of time. And when you do that, there's chemicals involved with that paint when you're shooting it through a gun that clean out the paint from the line so it doesn't harden and ruin the paint line. Some people use thinner to shoot it through there and clean it all out. Some people use what's called MEK, methyl ethyl ketin. And that's what we used for a long time. And if you've got wet paint on a wall, you can spray it and all that paint will just come straight down. It just sort of lightly burns it off. And um, so every time that you get done, you're flushing the paint out of the line with a semi-K. And there's a really strong stench to it. As a matter of fact, it will attack your central nervous system if you get it all over you. And, you know, you're doing it and you've you got protective equipment on and everything. But uh, there was one day that we were in there and we were spraying this MEK out of the gun. And at the time, you know, we wasn't putting a lot of it out, but we was just spraying it. And I was standing there spraying it, and here come uh, one of the managers walking through, and he got over to about where I was at, and he stopped in his tracks, and he ran over to the trash can, 
and started puking in the trash can. And uh, just a hacking and coughing and puking. And I looked at somebody standing next to me, I was like, what is wrong with him? And what it was, was the fact that he's not used to being around all this. And it was affecting him. But I got to thinking about it. And I told somebody that was standing there with me, I was like, you know what? We were around the same stuff and it was not affecting us in the same way. Because we'd grown used to it. And thank the Lord I'm not really that much involved with that anymore. But it's amazing how if you stay in this world long enough, you give room to sin long enough, you can grow used to it. Yes, amen. And we can condition ourselves to the world. Yes. We can condition ourselves to the sin that we allow to be around us. And that's what was happening here. He was, his heart was hardened. His uh, Bible says that he had a stiffened neck and he was just growing more and more used to the sin and the nature, the rebellious nature that was starting in this nation. Proverbs 29 and verse 1 says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Zedekiah's stiffened neck and hardened heart caused him to resist the prophet Jeremiah and even King Nebuchadnezzar and the result was complete chaos in a nation. It just progressed onward and onward. As can often be seen, not only in the stories of our Bible, but in lives all around us, evil always takes people beyond where they thought it would. Amen. You start out in a, in a small place, doesn't seem like much, but that is not the end that Satan wants to get somebody to. It's small steps to where he's planning toward. Yes. He's got more in it than what you think he does. Evil always takes them Beyond, And it was not enough to just do what Zedekiah wanted. Zedekiah had to do it in a way that showed disrespect toward God. He defiled the temple of the Lord. And once the evil was set in motion, it eventually polluted the most important institutions in their nation. It went beyond just the home of Zedekiah and people around. It went all the way to the temple. 2 Chronicles 36 verse 14 Moreover, all the leaders of the priests and the people transgressed more and more according to all the abominations of the nations and defiled the house of the Lord, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. You know, Satan and the flesh and sin are never content to simply do wrong. They're intent on being in charge. They want to be in charge and begin to run every single decision. And so rebellion always follows unrepentance. You don't repent for the sins that you live in and you grow used to it. Eventually there turns a sense of this is how I'm going to be rebellion. Rebellion is glorified in our world. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Rebellion is glorified in our world. You look at the most, some of the most famous 
pop stars and singers and celebrities of our world, they're becoming more and more known for how absolutely shocking and wild their actions are or their wardrobes are or their words are. How rebellious can you be to get the shock value that brings the money? That's the idea, and it's glorified. Yes, it is. And so, I'm going to tell you what worries me today. I'm just going to get real practical with you, okay, and give you an example. I don't know that I can, and I don't just pay a lot of attention to it, but if you, if you live in this world, you, you see and observe things. But I don't know that I could count the amount of people, uh, young men and young ladies, that have started out on a child's uh, educational television channel, you know, supposedly pure and okay and everything. And then within two or three years, they're doing their own thing and a rebellious mess on drugs, you know, making the kind of music that would just about make you blush in the mat, you know, just a couple years. And here's the thing, the kids that followed them on the kids' educational channel are still following them now. That hadn't changed. And so they're being made to follow that kind of progression into rebelliousness, and it's glorified. It's glorified in our world. Rebellion is glamorized. It's glamorized. But when somebody rebels against a God-ordained leader, it's never going to pan out for that person who rebels. That's right. It's That's never going right. to pan out. That's what Zedekiah did with Jeremiah. Like the toddler in our opening story this morning, those who rebel are going to experience dire outcomes. But unlike the parent in that story, God wants to do something about it. He wants to salvage his people. Why? Because God loves the people of God. Amen. Now I want you to hear me this morning. That sounds really simple and basic, but God loves his people. God loves everybody in this room. Amen. God even loves everybody outside of this room. So much that he will do whatever it takes to bring them back to him. And so we see a predictable pattern in this story in many of the places in the Bible. First, people do evil. Second, they harden their heart. Third, they begin to disrespect spiritual authority. And fourth, they eventually completely rebel against God. And because that last part is self-deception and really the final destruction, I believe we'd be very wise this morning to notice the early signs of an unrepentant heart and pay special attention. If we ever begin to feel a rift between ourselves and spiritual leadership in our lives, or we feel a rift between ourselves and somebody else in the church, we need to see what we're doing and how we're acting because it leads us down a path. It's, it's red flags that come up 
when we start feeling something against another child of God. A red flag goes up and if it's ignored, it can lead to something else that's a lot worse. Now, we also have to know this. Since God is loving and he's a merciful God, he continually reaches for people who are caught in this spiral. And his means of saving them is through words of warning that are spoken through prophets, willing vessels. And even today, God speaks through people who are just willing because he wants to reach the lost. And that's what he did here. But I want to read it to you because this is just really a chilling, just a chilling couple of verses. Verses 15 and 16. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people till there was no remedy. And so here's what happened. God sends messengers until people stop listening. And when people stop listening, there's no longer a remedy. The only remedy is to heed God's warning. The only remedy today for any of us is to hear his word. Amen. The only remedy that you and I have is found between the covers of this book. The only remedy that you and I have are when we open ourselves up to the Holy Ghost yes. and let God begin to flush everything out that don't belong and fill us up with what has always belonged in us. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that temple is going to sit empty until we fill it with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And so this shows the importance of, of preaching. And having a, a teachable spirit and allow God to change you. And it goes back to that essential self that I talked about last week. Everybody remember that? You've got the essential self over here that God has always destined you to be. It was his idea of you from the beginning. And then there's who we are right now. And we're always moving toward what God wants us to be. Amen. And how do we do that? We throw off sin. Yeah. We take the weights off of us that don't belong and it makes us light. It makes us more able to reach everything that God wants us to be. Amen. We want to be that essential self and God sends warnings. Noah's neighbors laughed at the idea of judgment. David was ridiculed when he offered to kill Goliath. Children made fun of Elijah. Paul actually had a group of full-time critics that followed him all over the world. You know that? They followed him everywhere he went. He's a messenger of God. But he had a full-time club that criticized him everywhere he went. And even Jesus' ministry was plagued with accusers, questions, questioners, and mockers. They were the voice of God. And people rejected it. They were disrespecting that higher authority. You know, the United States is sort of exhibit A for this, this thought of uh, rebellion against authority in life. Respect for authority is going down around these parts. And it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal because it reflects, you know, the Bible says, touch not mine anointed. If we are disrespectful to a spiritual leader, 
or disrespectful to even a worldly leader, a, a policeman or a government official, something like that. Uh, we're disrespectful to them. What does that say about how we think about God and our respect for that authority? And so all across the world, there's been a change. Respect for authority is, is being torn apart. And we see rioting in streets. We see stores being broken into and looted all across our nation. People that are in unrest, people that are mad, people that are angry, people that are done with all of it. And, and we sit here and we understand how you're supposed to act, what you're supposed to do. And you might be asking yourself, well, what do we do about it? Is it the government doing anything about it? And friend, if you're depending on the government to solve spiritual problems, you're being deceived. It ain't gonna happen. They don't have the solution to the spiritual problems. And our culture has been weakened on every level, much because a nation gets to where it despises the word of God. It does. And they, you know, police or government, they may be able to solve a, a few problems on the outside, but really it's a deeper spiritual problem. It's below the surface. It's something that can't be dealt with by just passing a bill. It won't happen. They can do a few things, but the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, and they don't involve legislation. They involve somebody calling on the Lord and saying, Lord, we need you to heal our land. Lord, we need you to move in our land. The first thing that we can do if we want to respond to this is to hold up the Word of God and to have respect for it. Like a lot of the world is not. Saying we're going to stand for this. And it may not always be convenient, but we're going to stand and respect the Word of God. Yes. We have to make that commitment. And second, I want you to hear this today. We need to become fire starters. We need to become fire starters. We have to release the purging, powerful, awesome Holy Ghost into our world. Right. We got to start a fire. Yes. That's what we're destined to do. And that's why we sing. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Yes, Lord. Catch on fire. Burning with the Holy Ghost. We got to start a fire. You say, well... I've got this old boy down the street that acts horrible and does all kinds of terrible things. You need to be a fire starter. That's how you can reach that person. Amen. You can try to talk to them about what they're doing and make them act a different way. But what's really going to change it is if they get that fire down in their soul and it works its way through them. I mean, we're in a world that needs this. If yes. it ever has. Just months ago, there, there was that tragic death that was just really hurt around all the world in the middle of Minneapolis. And it has literally turned the world upside down. Everything's changed. Everything's changed. There's no doubt in anybody's mind. And when that happened, 
the worst kind of tragedies were just loosed everywhere. And people responded in their own way, wreaking havoc in some places. Some places people were trying to do good. But it's really shown the state that our world is in. Yes. And I'm going to show you a video today from an apostolic evangelist by the name of Victor Jackson. I've met Brother Jackson. He preached a holiday youth convention in Arkansas. Many people got the Holy Ghost. Many revivals happened out of that holiday youth convention. He is an awesome, mighty man of God. And he's African-American. And so he had a unique voice on that particular week that that went down. And he took time out of his schedule to get on a plane and fly to Minneapolis to the exact spot where George Floyd died. And I'm going to show you a video right now, Brother Blake. Can you show that of what happened when he got there? I'd like to have prayer in this place so the people of this world knows that there is still hope in Minneapolis. I came here from Florida for one reason, and that is that there be unity, that is that there be love and kindness. So if you could just gather in a little closer, that's our social distancing. Can you come in a little closer? We're just going to have prayer that there is love, that there is peace, that there is joy, and that there is hope in this city. Does anyone believe there's hope in this city? Yes. taking place in that world, but I see a bunch of people that need hey. spiritual help. They need somebody to come in there with a fire in their hands. Hey, and hey. so 
say, that's not what you need. This is what you need. We can look out and see people that's got all kinds of problems. On the surface, we see physical problems. We see people that are doing evil things. We see people that are acting and talking and doing all kinds of wrong things. But it's a spiritual thing. It goes beyond uh, the the skin color. It goes beyond uh, the actions that they're taking. It's something that's deeper. They need a fire. It's a spiritual battle. And I dare you in this place to be a fire starter. It may not all look like that on your street or on your job. But somebody's waiting on somebody to come in there with the fire. That's what they're waiting on. And they've turned against. They're walking away from their essential self. They're running away from it. In rebelliousness. And they're searching for anything else they can find to fill that void. That's right. But if some apostolic somewhere would realize... I can sit around, the the best of us can sit around and get mad about it and get aggravated about it. But if I take what's been placed in my hands and open my mouth and decide I'm going to start a fire that I'm going to pray will never be quenched and that it'll change and it'll stop and God will heal the land. You know, it's prophesied. It is prophesied that when the end comes, there is going to be the greatest revival that has ever been seen. So just as the bad is happening, there's going to be a whole lot of good happening. And as a matter of fact, I've been in the presence of a service when it was prophesied that in this region, in Arkansas, there would be a starting of that revival that would spread out from here. That's prophesied. That's the word of God, friend. Amen. I want to live that. I want to be right in the middle of that. I want to be carrying that. Got to be a fire starter. Got to be a fire starter. Amen. If somebody hadn't brought the fire to me, if somebody hadn't brought it to you, I wouldn't be able to carry it today. That's right. Let's stand together this morning. I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost in my spirit saying today that there is a lost, rebellious, dying world that is in desperate need of somebody to extend what they've got. Amen. Amen. I'm not, I'm not talking about just giving some lip service to it today. I'm not talking about, hey, let's just have a conversation about it. I'm talking about remembering, remembering and being thankful. How thankful you were that somebody brought the fire to you when you were running away from what God wanted you to be. At some point, every last one of us was rebellious. Every last one of us. I used to get tickled when I'd hear um, Sister Shelton talk about how rebellious Brother Shelton was before he come to God. So it was so hard to get him full of the Holy Ghost for such a long time. She'd, she'd tell about that. 
And I'd get tickled. But you know what? They lived a life that carried a fire. I'm telling you, you, the Spirit gets to moving. The Spirit gets to moving. And I got memories coming back of them fingers going like this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He couldn't do everything he used to, but I, I do remember this. Somewhat, something like a year before he passed, I remember him sitting over here and I was on the drums. And he was sitting right over about there. And all of a sudden, he, he took off running. Running. 80 some odd years old. Still carrying a fire. Fire ain't burnt out. You know, when they set the fire at the altar of the temple, it was the intention of God. And it says it explicitly in the book of Leviticus. Never let the fire go out. And I just, I feel the Lord. I feel the Lord this morning saying, stoke that fire a little bit. So, somebody, you, your fire's grown a little bit low. It's time to stoke it and maybe it'll get over on somebody else over here. Fire starters. Fire starters. That's what our world needs. That's what our world needs. Not another policy. Not another leading figure. Amen. None of that is going to do the trick. It needs somebody to be a fire starter. To walk into a world that is rebellious, is sinful, has a lot of problems and set a fire.